Welcome, everyone. Welcome to New Beginnings Online Midweek Bible Study. I want to start tonight off with delivering what I believe to be a word from the Lord, a statement inspired by the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll receive it that way. That I received when I was putting this teaching together. I believe it's important for us to start off tonight's Bible study in this context. The voice of the Lord is saying, this is the time and the hour for the people of God to arise and take their place on the world scene. For there are forces arrayed against the kingdom that have been plotting and scheming for many decades to silence the church and its people. There is a shout in the church that must be released. There is an anointing that must be loosed to set the captives free like never before. That shout, that anointing, that roar can only come from those who know the Spirit of God, those who are familiar with His ways. Even as Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, even now the Spirit of God, the Comforter, the Advocate is saying, learn of me, learn my voice, my ways, for I have a work for you to do. There is a harvest that must come in. There are miracles to be released of which you have not seen before. It is through you that they must be released. So sit at my feet. Learn to discern that which I am both saying and doing, says the Spirit of Grace. Knowing him right now is the top priority of the church, knowing the Holy Spirit, knowing the Spirit of God, our Father, our Creator. Psalm 103, verse 7 says, he made, he made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. What does that mean? God, because of the intimate relationship that Moses had with him, was able to make known to Moses his character, his way, his way of doing things, his voice, his method of just dealing with mankind. The children of Israel saw his acts. They saw the result of the relationship that Moses had with God. But most of them did not partake in that relationship. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw them come through. They saw they had the experience of them walking through those walls of water <clears throat> going from Egypt into the promised land. They saw the results of Moses' prayers, the manna coming from heaven. They saw God deliver them from their enemies as they fought different nations on their way to the promised land. They saw the walls of Jericho fall. They saw these things. They saw what God produced with his hands. But our relationship with the Father is much more than us just seeing him do things for us. It is way more than us just seeing God move on our behalf, providing our needs, delivering us from, from challenges and problems. You know, you can grow up in a household being provided for continuously and in a very good way without ever getting to know the heart of the person who's providing. And that's a place where the church is right now. Yes, uh, we've seen God do tremendous things. We've seen him produce tremendous things. We've seen him protect our loved ones from this virus. We've seen him provide for us materially, financially, 
even emotionally during these hard times. But do we know his heart? Do we recognize his voice? When times are really tough and we're in the darkness, are we able to discern that which is coming from the Holy Spirit? You see, you and I can only produce based on the overflow of the relationship that we have with him. And this is a time, and this is so real to me, so real to my spirit, to my heart. This is a time when the lost of this world need the church to be operating in the anointing, in the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the word of God. The the church must rise up. The church must take its place. You, as a believer, must take your place. There are people that are in darkness. There are captives in prison cells, in their minds, in their hearts, that need the church to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to know very definitely what direction that we're supposed to take in order to rescue them, in order to set the captives free, in order to be rescuers, in order to be those that go into the darkest places and pull out those that have been taken captive by the enemy. And I know the Holy Spirit's saying, I want to do this, but I can only do it through those who know my voice. Those that there is a, there is a, 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 a percentage of the body of Christ, that I, and, and I even... It's uncomfortable for me to even talk about this, but it just seems like there's so many Christians that are willing to live life as a Christian, taking from God, believing God for this, that, and the other thing, but being satisfied with just seeing the work of his hands and not learning his heart and his ways. Moses experienced both, but Moses placed a premium on knowing the Father. You and I, in this, in this age that we live in, in the age of the church, Jesus came to this earth, purchased salvation for us, made that way open for us. But before he left, he introduced the Holy Spirit to us. And it is extremely vital. It's extremely important. It is a non-negotiable right now. We've got to know the Holy Spirit. He has got to be majorly the center and focus of our lives. We've got to hear him. We've got to be sensitive to his voice. We've got to be sensitive to his presence. We've got to be in communication with him on a regular basis. He's a real being. He is not a force or an energy, but the spirit of the living God, who when God said, let there be light, Light appeared and darkness took a back seat. It is the Holy Spirit who brought that into being. This is a subject. He is a subject that has been very much in the forefront of my mind and my heart, especially these past few years. I believe he's the one that you and I should be in communication with on a regular basis. I've tried to train myself to, to just be in, as, as much as I'm aware to be in communication with him, to inquire of him, to declare my dependence upon him. Um, when I wake up in the morning, he's the first person I want to speak to. Before I go to bed at night, he's the last person that I want to speak. He's the last person I want to have influence in my heart while I'm sleeping. The famous Bible scholar, A.W. Tozer, 
said this. Spell this out in capital letters. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not enthusiasm. He is not courage. He's not energy. He is not the personification of all good qualities like Jack Frost is the personification of cold weather. Actually, the Holy Spirit is not the personification of anything. He has individuality. He is one being and not another. He has will. He has intelligence. He has hearing. He has knowledge and sympathy and the ability to love and to see and to think. He can hear. He can speak. He has desires. He can be grieved. And he can rejoice. He is a person. And that's who I want to talk about tonight. The Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity is much a person of, as God is and as much a person as Jesus is. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he, John the Baptist, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Didn't say he was a dove. He said like a dove and settling on Jesus. He, John the Baptist could sense his presence. He could sense, he could perceive in the Spirit that the Spirit of God was coming to settle upon the Lord Jesus. Verse 17 goes on to say, And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. So we have Jesus in the water, we have God the Father's voice coming from heaven, and we have the presence of the Holy Spirit settling upon Jesus, the Trinity. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father and the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to those who believed. Now, I want to I pay attention to what the Word says here. I want to bring out what the Word says here about the Holy Spirit. What is my intention tonight? My intention tonight is that through the Word of God and by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that I would be able to motivate you and entice you, if I could say that in, in, in a positive context, not in a negative connotation, to motivate you, to inspire you, to pursue the Holy Spirit, to pursue a relationship with Him, to, to position yourself in such a way where you make yourself available to Him, that if He wants to speak something to you, if He wants to, you to speak something under His inspiration, if He wants you to take action on His behalf, that you will be confident in your relationship. You'll be confident that you've heard his voice. You'll be confident that you've received direction from him. The world needs you to do that. The world is in turmoil, in crisis. The world, the lost, the oppressed, those who have no clue who Jesus Christ is, need you and I to be vessels of the Holy Spirit to be a conduit of heaven for their sake. They need you and I to walk in the Spirit. And Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to those who believe. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14 says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing promised to Abraham. We always think that these promises to Abraham are about wealth, and they are, some of them are, about influence, and they are. They were about success and, and gaining uh, provision from God. And there, there is, the, the promises to Abraham were very much that way. However, the ultimate promise that God made to Abraham involves way more than material wealth, way more than influence here on this earth. 
God desired to reveal himself to Abraham in such a way that Abraham would pursue God in order to be influenced by the Spirit of God. All God has been wanting to do since the garden, since the fall, is to get us back in the Spirit, get us back walking with an awareness on the inside that God is my Father, God is my Creator. He lives in me. I live for Him. And so let me read that again now in that context. Galatians 3.14, New Living Translation. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers, listen to this, might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. How do we receive? How do we make welcome the Holy Spirit in our life? Through faith. I just want you to note that we receive him by faith just like we receive salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. John chapter 7, verse 37. Speaking about Jesus. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Before the Holy Spirit could be revealed to the disciples, before the Holy Spirit could be introduced into this world, into the church, I should say, the disciples had to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They had to place their faith in him. They had to be born again. They had to receive salvation, and they did. They did. At that point of when they received salvation, then they were ready to welcome the Holy Spirit into their lives. John 14, 15, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he, that helper, will abide with you forever. I'm not concerned of the Holy Spirit leaving me. I'm not concerned that there's anything I could do that could make him disappear from my life because I have this promise that he will abide with me forever. That gives me confidence. Then Jesus goes on to describe who he is. Verse 17 says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now he's talking to the disciples. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And we know that he's speaking of Jesus coming to the disciples after he ascended into heaven in the form of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus in each and every believer. When on earth, Jesus could be only one place at a time due to the physical limitations of, his, of a physical body. But through the Holy Spirit, he's present in every believer. He's present in every part of this world. He's present on every continent where there's a believer, in every country, in every village, in every city, in every neighborhood, in every household where there is a believer. The presence of the Holy Spirit is there. Jesus never presented a fractured Holy Spirit. Neither, neither did he present a Holy Spirit in denominational terms. For many denominations that exist within the Christian church, a church universal, one denomination may have this opinion of the Holy Spirit. Another denomination may have this opinion of the Holy Spirit. Another denomination may have taught limitations on the Holy Spirit 
for hundreds and hundreds of years. But that is not the Holy Spirit that Jesus presented. He promised us an all-inclusive Holy Spirit, full of power, full of might, full of wisdom and ability. The Spirit of grace, God's enabling power, given to us to accomplish that which previously was impossible. The Holy Spirit is available to us by promise from Jesus to manifest in at least three different ways, three main ways. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit could be made available to us and accessible by us through faith. When I place my faith in the promises that Jesus made regarding the Holy Spirit, I can, guarantee, I can be guaranteed I will see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? Jesus made specific promises of what the Holy Spirit, how he would interact with us, how he would interact with the church, with believers. Now, I can activate that manifestation, and, and I want you to hear me clearly so that you do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not saying that I command the Holy Spirit to do things. What I am saying is this. When I apply my faith to the promises that Jesus made regarding the Holy Spirit, I can be guaranteed a manifestation of that promise by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some examples. And the examples I'm giving you, I want you to understand. My desire is to fulfill something that I believe the Spirit of God deposited in my heart probably 25 years ago. I've always had this desire to bring clarity to areas of, of the church, bring clarity to areas of doctrine that previously have always been presented in a very mysterious way, as if this certain information was only available to a, a specific few, certain hand-picked chosen ones of God. I don't believe that's accurate. I don't believe that's scriptural. I don't believe it's beneficial. I believe the word of God is made very clear and very plain so that everyone that comes by faith can receive. What am I saying? I'm saying this. I don't believe that it's beneficial for a Christian to think that the Holy Spirit is only available to them as it pertains to Christian things, religious things, spiritual things. I believe because of who he is, he is very much wanting to be involved in our everyday lives. I'm going to be repeating this, this concept. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been given unto us not just for me to understand the Scriptures. I believe the Holy Spirit's been given unto us not just to be able to work miracles. I believe the greatest miracles we see from the Holy Spirit are the everyday things, the questions. Holy Spirit, how do I accomplish this? Holy Spirit, how can I be a better man? How can I be a better woman? How can I be a better father, husband, friend? How can I be a better worker, employee? How can I be a better businessman? How can I be a better communicator? In other words, how can I allow you to give evidence to the world around me that I am operating from a power that does not come from within me, but a power that comes from on high? that is able to take me from a natural individual and make me into a supernatural individual. I've told this story plenty of times, 
probably the best illustration I can bring from my own life. I have never been one to be mechanically inclined. Could I? I guess I could. I just never applied myself in that area because it doesn't come natural to me. Especially when it comes to cars, motors, engines. I'm like, I just want to pull up to the Wawa, give them my credit card, put the gas in the car, let me go. I've got important things to do. However, in the past when I've had problems, I remember one specific occasion when we were extremely, um, what's the word I want to say? We were extremely in between prosperities. And every penny counted. And I had gone to church one day with my work van, which was not in good condition. Come out of church, tried to start the car, start the van, wouldn't work. And my step of faith was to, with boldness and courage, to open up the hood. That was a step of faith because I knew I didn't understand anything that was under that hood. I said to the Holy Spirit, I'm completely oblivious to anything I'm looking at. Will you teach me? Would you show me what the problem is? Within a couple of seconds, my attention is drawn to a specific part of the engine, and I see a wire that's disconnected. And I thought to myself, I don't think that should be disconnected. And I took that wire, plugged it into the nearest receptacle, if you want to call it that. I don't know what to call it. And lo and behold, the engine started and got me home. Church, my friends, that was a definite miracle of the Holy Spirit because I am nowhere near that smart to figure that out on my own. But I have trained myself and I have seen a track record that the Holy Spirit's established in my life. If I'll ask and if I'll listen, he'll show me. Now, I wasn't asking him to reveal to me the mysteries of the scriptures. I wasn't asking him to give me the date when Jesus is going to return from the Bible. I was asking him a very practical request. Help me get my car started. That might seem frivolous to you, but I didn't want to walk home that day. I didn't want to have to ask someone else for for a ride. I knew Jesus said to me that the teacher, the spirit of truth, would lead me and guide me into all truth. John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and here it is, number one, he will teach you all things. I needed to know what it was going to take for me to turn that key and have a successful ignition to that engine. Might not seem very spiritual to you, but to me, it was like parting the Red Sea. First John chapter 2, verse 27, speaking again about the Holy Spirit. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. And you do not need that anyone should teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, all things, all things, and is true and is not a lie. And just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. The Holy Spirit is to abide in us. We're to abide in him. I will ask whatever I need and it shall be done for me. 
all things, not just Bible lessons. He'll teach you to be the person that your spouse needs. He'll teach you to be the person that your family needs, your friends, your coworkers. He will teach you. And it's so important to include the Holy Spirit in your everyday life, not just on Sundays, not at a time of crisis. We can rely on him to help us in every area of life. He is the spirit of grace. He is wisdom. He's the wisdom of God. He knows all things. He brings with him all the characteristics of the nature of God and deposits them in us so that everyone around us can have a good experience. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The scripture says, against such there is no law. Why is that important for us? Because I don't want to be the source of grief to anyone's life around me. I want to be a blessing to people. I want to be a great representation of the kingdom that I claim to come from. I want to be I want to add to people's lives, not to take away from them. I want to walk in wisdom. I want to walk in understanding. I want to walk in knowledge. I don't want to go from one mistake to the next mistake. I don't want to go from one crisis to the next crisis to the next crisis. But the only way I'm going to be able to navigate through life that way is for me to know and be very much aware of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. And not only just to be aware of him, but to make opportunity for him to live his life through me. So his presence in me can cause me to love. His presence in me can cause me to bring joy to someone's life and not sadness. His presence in me can cause me to live in, 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 in such a peace that it literally affects those around me and I don't bring turmoil into their lives, but I bring calm. His presence in me teaches me how to be long-suffering, to endure, not to give up. His spirit in me, when I tap into him, when I make him available, when I ask him to come out, come, come and show yourself, can cause me to walk in kindness, in goodness, in faithfulness. He can cause me, if I allow him to, to walk in gentleness and self-control. The Bible says there's no religious law that can produce what the Holy Spirit can produce in me. Not my willpower, not my self-determination that I'm going I'm to act a certain way. I'm going to mess up. But when I tap into the Holy Spirit who's in me, when I'm living my life very much aware of who he is, at that point in time, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in my life can become very apparent to those around me. Number two, the second thing that Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit will do through our lives, it's a promise now, it's a promise, that he will bring to my remembrance all things that Jesus has spoken to me. Now, I'm not talking about the things that he's spoken to me personally, although the Holy Spirit will do that also. What this is referring to is things that are in the word of God that Jesus spoke to us. Things that the disciples experienced firsthand. They lived with Jesus for three to three and a half years. A lot went on. 
situations they saw Jesus walk through, work through, things that he taught them. Unless they had a, a court stenographer with them on a 24-hour basis, there was no way possible that they were going to be able to remember everything on their own. But Jesus said that he, this Holy Spirit, would bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is called to go to Cornelius's house. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, a Roman official. He's got many soldiers under his command. He's got a house full of servants under his command. And Peter is supernaturally brought to Cornelius's house. He's directed to go to Cornelius's house. Cornelius is a believer in God. He's not yet had the revelation of Jesus as Messiah. But Cornelius believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and prayed that way and conducted his life that way. So Peter is called and Peter speaking to a house full of Gentiles is suddenly reminded by the Holy Spirit that which Jesus had taught him many years before. Acts chapter 11, verse 16. This is what it states. Then I remember the word of the Lord after Cornelius and all his household not only received salvation, but received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and Peter and all the other Jewish believers that came with him from Jerusalem. Witness firsthand, Gentiles, not only receiving salvation, but receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How? Because they heard, saw and heard these people speaking in unknown tongues, just as it had happened on the day of Pentecost to Peter and the rest of the 120. And it says that then, Peter said, then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What do we have here? Many years later, the Holy Spirit brought back to Peter's remembrance, Jesus told you this was going to happen. Jesus taught you this would happen. John chapter 16, verse 12. Jesus said to the disciples before he went to the cross, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. I want to continue this in part two next week. I want to, at this point, again encourage you to, number one, I pray that you would share this, this video, this teaching with everyone that you know. This is important stuff, especially to those that are believers, especially those who are believers. God is counting on the church in this time to be so connected to the Holy Spirit, to be so have our lives intertwined with the Holy Spirit so that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God can manifest itself through the church on the earth. It's extremely important right now. There is a battle that's being waged for the souls of the lost. There's a battle that's being waged right now. Your prayers and my prayers can tilt that battle in the right direction. God is depending on us to speak his truth, to speak his word, to use our authority, to take authority over the forces of darkness. We're not dealing with flesh and blood. I'm not talking about battling against people or personalities. I am talking about lending our voice to God that the power of the Holy Spirit would speak through us 
and that we would take authority over those things that are evil. We would take authority over darkness. I pray that you would take this message serious and cause, train yourself to depend on the Holy Spirit. Train yourself to communicate with him. Train yourself to, to position yourself in such a way to hear his voice, to receive his direction, so that the power of the Holy Spirit can be made manifest through you. We'll continue in this teaching next week. We'll continue and look at more of the Holy Spirit, his personality, his character, his way of revealing himself is so extremely important. He is the most important person in our lives right now. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. I pray that you will will follow up next week and, and just be here and listen to that teaching also, part two. And then we put part one and part two together and I pray that it impacts our lives. God bless you. I'm believing God for this message to impact your heart. Bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.